So what I would say to people is where you work really matters and being in a flexible, supportive workplace really matters. And it proves that if you have that, people don't have to give up work. Like some people might have said, well, surely well, we weren't in a position financially for me to give up work either. That wasn't going to happen. You know, I'm the main breadwinner. That really makes a difference. That really makes a difference and it's key. And so it's so important that workplaces are supporting people to be able to manage those multiple responsibilities. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast, formerly known as Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship because I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career, your leadership career really, whilst enjoying your young children in a way that works for you. Today's podcast guest is Lauren Seeger-Smith. She is the CEO of the anti-bullying charity Kidscape and we talk about looking after yourself during times of intensity, being the sandwich generation, both caring for elderly parents and very young children and of course I'm quizzing her about everything she knows about how to deal with bullying both for adults and for children. I really think she's a wealth of knowledge and she's actually a Leaders Plus mentor as well and it, in the conversation just reminded me how much of basically she's a really good mentor and she has lots and lots of very valuable insights. If you want to ask any questions of our guests in the future or if you want to have questions for me that you want to ask me then please head over to speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children. I would absolutely love to hear from you and uh, to, to get your insights. So if you have any questions for our guests, you can ask them there. If you have any questions for me, you can ask them there. If you want what you say to be kept confidential, just say that at the beginning of the message. And otherwise, if you're happy for us to include the question or the message in the podcast, then we're happy to do that. We've got episodes coming up with an HR director, with a CEO working part-time, someone working in a male-dominated environment. So there are plenty of really interesting people that you can ask questions of. Yeah, and if you want to hear more about Leaders Plus, we've got a couple of events that we will be advertising very shortly. Um, one of them for people who are pregnant and plenty of other events as well. So you, if you go to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter, then you can sign up there and make sure that you are kept in the loop of these opportunities and likewise if as you know we run an award-winning fellowship program to support leaders with young children to progress their careers so if you're interested in that there's always funding opportunities and financial support but if you're interested in that then head over to leadersplus.org.uk and forward slash register interest um, if you want to be kept in the loop when the fellowship is opening again so that's it enjoy the conversation a very warm welcome, Lauren, to the podcast. It is lovely to have you here. And thank you so much for being a senior leader mentor on the fellowship program. But we've never had a chance of properly chatting so for any length of time. So I'm really looking forward to this. But why don't we start, obviously the listeners don't know you, why don't we start with you just saying who you are, what you do for work and who's in your family? 
I'm Lauren Seeger-Smith. I'm CEO of the bullying prevention charity Kidscape, where I've been CEO for just over five years. I've worked with children and families for sort of over 20 years in different roles. And I have two primary age children and my partner, Jermaine, at home, and also have various roles supporting wider family as well. You're a reasonably young CEO, if, if I see that right, unless you have some really excellent wrinkle cream. But <laughs> I was wondering, and, and I think you're quite a rare, rare beast and not that many CEOs who have young children. There are more and more, but not, not as many as I would like. I'm just interested, did you always want to be a CEO of an anti-bullying charity or how did that come? How did that happen? Yeah, so I was very fortunate in that I spent over eight years working at the National Children's Bureau. I went into my first leadership role there as, as director of the Anti-Bullying Alliance. And the thing about the National Children's Bureau is it hosts lots of specialist membership groups, which Anti-Bullying Alliance is a specialist membership group. So you, I really got some incredible experience within that job of actually stepping up as a leader and quite a complex role. I had an advisory group, which was a bit like having a board of trustees that I worked to, but within the wider structure of NCB, I was organizing anti-bullying week every year, which is a major campaign. We were doing lots of policy work, managing government contracts, doing fundraising. I learned to do a lot of media work. So kind of, you name it, I learned it on that job. But within the context of National Children's Bureau, where you have amazing expertise and support and management, and it was such a gift because it wasn't until I did that job that I thought, actually, if I can lead a specialist membership group and I can do this work, then why, why, why shouldn't I be able to lead a charity? Why shouldn't I be a CEO? And I think that role really gave me the confidence to kind of step up and, and to have those opportunities and to look for those opportunities. So I kind of fell into it in a way through having had that opportunity. Mm. And how old were your children when you took on that role? So when I was at the Anti-Bullying Alliance, I was in, firstly, I was in a kind of national co coordinator job before I moved into the, the main director of the Anti-Bullying Alliance. And, and while in that role, I was pregnant with my, my daughter, my first child with my daughter. And then I moved um, while on maternity leave into the director role and then had my son while I was in that role as well and so I became a CEO of Kidscape when my children were I think three and five so still very little but I had my babies while I was at Antibullying Alliance. Mm, well so in hindsight is was it the right time to go for a CEO role then? When is the right time to go for a really senior role? I actually I think people say this don't they whatever stage their children are at I think it would be harder going into those new roles now the children are slightly older actually than when they were babies in a funny way when they're babies and you know you have i had some support from parents and we also had a, ch a nanny for a bit and then we're using a nursery in a way that was quite man it wasn't it was stressful but in a way that was quite manageable but as they got as they get older in some respects that they, they need you more and the needs are more complex so in a funny way, I think when they're babies and when they're very little, it's, it, it was probably slightly easier to manage than it would be going into that role for the first time now, I think. Different stages. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing. Um, and you, as you mentioned your parents there. And um, before, before we came on air, you mentioned uh, in an email that your parents had some really challenging health circumstances, which mean, meant you had to look after them whilst also look after very tiny children. Can you share 
your story and what you've learned from that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I wanted to share that as well, because I think one of the challenges for people, you know, who are kind of in our stage of life when you, you've got young children is, you know, increasingly many of us are also caring for, for parents as well and, and caring for family members. And we know there's a big squeeze on, on support within the state. And what happened in, in my situation was when I'd had my daughter, my mum was a massive support to me. So she would have my daughter for two and a half days a week. I had got very, very reliant on that. And I was still at that point commuting into London as well for two of those days. And so we had a, you know, really good setup. My mum would come and she'd have my daughter and it worked. And my husband, I should say, was also off a day a week as well. So he went to a four day week. So that's kind of how we managed the childcare. And, but then when I was on maternity leave with my son and I was all set up, my mum was going to look after both of them, you know, it's all going to be fine. My mum had a nervous breakdown and it absolutely came out of nowhere. It was very, very quick. And, you know, retrospectively, my mum was handling a lot. Just, she was retired. She was supporting my children. She also had her own mother. It's kind of layers of responsibility to contend with uh, at the time. And so I think there was a lot on my mum. It's funny how these things ripple through. And and so she had a breakdown. And then my dad was very dependent on my mum in lots of ways. He was also approaching retirement. And then very quickly after my mum had a breakdown, my dad had a breakdown and had a, ended up in psych hospital and had a major stroke. Now, this all happened within the space of a year. And this went from my parents. My dad was a Baptist minister, very big part of the community. And it was very, very sudden and very, very shocking for a lot of people, you know, <laughs> particularly us as, as immediate family. And so it, that was very, very challenging. I was on maternity leave. My mum had had, I've been very close to it, had this very quick kind of gone downhill, very, very quick. And so I was facing the prospect of also losing my childcare, which is, was shocking. You know, I was kind of like, oh my goodness, now what am I going to do? I've got to go back to work. Like, how, how's this going to work? But also my mum and my dad needed a huge amount of care. So what I did was extended my maternity leave. I took longer than I was intending to. Again, National Children's Bureau were amazing about that. I was just like, I'm going to have to stay off for, for longer. And my dear friend, Martha, who was covering my role, was amazing too at, at carrying on in those circumstances. And then we had to decide what to do. We we made a decision to, to get a nanny. And that's an experience in itself. My goodness, trying to make that decision and find the right person. And is that right? It's not the right thing for everyone, but it was working out the cost. Was that the right thing for us? And again, we were very fortunate that we found an amazing young woman that, that came into that role role, part-time role. And we made it work. We made it work. But I was working, I think, condensed week, four days a week. And so my day off was my day with mum and dad and take my mum shopping, doing all the care. And yeah, it was a really, really challenging time. So, you know, Mark goes out to anyone that might be listening that's in that situation. And it's very, very tough. There's very little time for yourself within that when you're juggling young children, parents and work and everyone's kind of all those responsibilities at once is really hard. But we've reached a point now where my mum and dad are a lot weller now than they were, a lot more settled. They live near me now. I moved them during lockdown. That's a whole other story. But they live just, just around the corner now and in, are much more kind of settled and, and supported and, and are doing well. So there is light. You can get through these times. But yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough holding all those responsibilities and, and juggling those roles. Mm. Mm. Oh my goodness. That sounds so so tough. And and I can you come across as such a resilient person for and obviously throughout all of this you're still holding down a very demanding job. In hindsight, is there something that you wish 
you would have known about going through such a such an experience or is there anything that you've learned it really matters who you have around you and and your place of work really matters i was very very fortunate in that the national children's bureau were hugely supportive and my managers were hugely supported and interestingly it was a really trusting place you know you everyone there works really hard they get the job done but they're really supportive and really flexible so you know already they'd agreed for me to kind of do a condensed week to be in london sometimes at home sometimes and this is you know pre-pandemic and so because of that i was able to make it work I think if I'd been in a workplace which was much more kind of micromanagement, you've got to be in every day between these hours, that would have been a lot harder. So what I would say to people is where you work really matters and being in a flexible, supportive workplace really matters. And it proves that if you have that, people don't have to give up work. Like some people might have said, well, surely well, we weren't in a position financially for me to give up work either. That wasn't going to happen. You know, I'm the main breadwinner. That really makes a difference. That really makes a difference and it's key. And so it's so important that workplaces are supporting people to be able to manage those multiple responsibilities. Mm. And there is such a variety, not just between workplaces, but also within workplaces. It can depend. I mean, it might be that there are some organisations who are broadly really good, but also within those, you have massive differences depending on the line manager. Um, so do you have any reflections about how to choose so if someone hears this and they're not in a workplace that is like that and they know if something happened, they would be in a very difficult situation, possibly out on their own, and they do want to move longer term. What advice would you give them about how to find out what a workplace is like? You might not have any reflections in each case, not to worry. Yeah, but I think you can get some warning signs. I think if you're going for interviews and you're asking about flexibility and they seem very resistant right from the off, that's probably not a good sign. And also, you know, you can spot pretty quickly whether they're kind of family friendly in, in, in terms of the wider package that they offer their staff. So that's something I would certainly look at and, and, and if you're in that position, look to explore an interview. And I think the benefit of having gone through the pandemic is that a lot of workplaces have switched now. And most roles now offer a degree of flexibility, which means it, I think it can, can support around that. The other thing I would say is the more senior you get, the more you can kind of work your own pattern as well. And so if you are being offered a more senior role, actually that, that can be an advantage. I think the fact that I was in a, in a, in a senior role and was able to delegate certain tasks and responsibilities and now as CEO, I've kind of set the tone for the organisation and we're all flexible and I really support flexibility because I know how important it is. I think sometimes that can be an advantage as well. So, you know, don't resist those more senior authoritative positions because you think it's just going to be too much because actually there's some freedom that comes with those roles. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, obviously. Thank you for saying that. I want to talk about bullying as well, which obviously you're an expert in and it would be very bad if we didn't use the opportunity to ask you I know you work mainly with children but I'm sure there will be some people who are listening to this who are also perhaps victims of bullying in their workplace I'm, I'm wondering how do you recognize that you are that bullying is happening that you are being bullied is, is it easy do you immediately know how do you know that you're being bullied I think the first thing I would say is what we've really learned. So I've been working around the area of bullying and bullying prevention for about 12 years. And like you say, principally in the area of children and young people. But what we know from children and young people is that bullying can have 
very, very profound impact on your mental and physical health, both in the short term and in the long term. So it's very well proven how it affects people into adulthood. If you went through bullying in childhood or in adolescence, which is a significant number of people actually were, were either bullied or, or witnessed bullying or might have gone through short or, or longer episodes of bullying while at school, the chances are it's probably still affecting you in some way now as, a, as an adult. It leaves an imprint. I don't know if anyone's read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, but it looks at the impact of trauma and bullying is, is, is well researched as a, as a form of, of trauma. It's, it's a very particular experience to go through. And I think if you've been through that, it can leave an imprint. And what that can mean is it can mean that in certain environments you feel really triggered or you feel really vulnerable and you can't quite put your finger on it. But you find, you know, certain relationships can be really hard. A good example I can think of, I met this amazing young woman who was in a senior role who was extremely badly bullied in girls' schools growing up. Horrific bullying. And she was talking to me about how now as an adult, she finds other women in the workplace extremely difficult. Very, very triggering because she went through that experience in girls' schools. And, that, and that's an example of that. So I think one thing I would say is don't underestimate, if you went through bullying in school, the impact that that might be having on you now. And if that is the case, do seek support, do seek counselling support to, to really process that and, and think about that. Because I think sometimes people shut that away and think, oh, that's in the past. And it's, there's some incredible research out there. For example, research around the fact that if you experience bullying, you're more likely to get recurrent tonsillitis in adulthood. Isn't it the way the body works? But that's just something to be aware of. And I think sometimes because of that, it might mean I think what's really challenging with bullying in the workplace, there are different ways of looking at bullying. You can look at it at kind of individual level, a group level, a kind of cultural level. And we can talk about those different areas, but an individual level, if you've had those experiences in childhood or adolescent, you might be really sensitive within your workplace. And there might be situations that you interpret as bullying or it's really intimidating where the intention to harm you may not necessarily have been there. So we talk about bullying behaviour as behaviour that is intentional, so intention to harm is repetitive and where there's a, a, an imbalance of power. But if you've experienced a lot of bullying, you might really feel that someone's trying to get at you, but they actually may not intentionally be, be, be doing that. I think the other thing that's difficult in workplaces is the power imbalance because some people find management really hard and may interpret management in certain ways. People don't get particularly good management training either, do they? And so people don't always know how to manage and some managers can come across as really hard work and, and it, that can sometimes feel bullying and, and, and feel intimidating, which can make things quite difficult in the workplace. There are also occasions where people are absolutely bullied in the workplace, where there's intentional harm and it's repeated and it's being able to, to, to recognize when that's, when that's happening to you. So if, if you're in a situation, I would think, is this person really intending this? Is this being repeated? Um, and is it difficult for me to take action around this? Cause that's kind of suggestive that there's a, there's a bullying situation that's going on there. In terms of why the context, if you're in a workplace, and this is what we say within schools, which permits any behavior that is prejudicial or offensive, be that kind of sexist, sexual, racist, homophobic, even if they call it off as banter, 
that's an environment where no one's safe and where bullying behavior is much more likely to happen. So that's a bigger issue is around the culture of that organization and what's being allowed within that organization and how safe you feel within that. And I think we've seen some good examples recently, haven't we, in the press around what happens when you allow kind of sexism within a wider context, how that makes women feel, how that makes men feel within that environment. And so it happens in the workplace, it does. But it tends to be either on an individual level or it's a, it's about a wider context around what's going on. And is there a place where adults can seek help if that's what they're experiencing? I would recommend ACAS if you're going through that situation, because that will talk you through kind of the law and workplace law and in relation to bullying. I think what's quite difficult in my experience, a lot of bullying in the workplace is from managers as well. And that can make that really hard to kind of have those conversations. So thinking about who's a real ally in your workplace, who you can talk to, who you can trust, whether it's initially having a kind of confidential conversation with HR around what's happening and how it's making you feel. And what we always talk about with children and young people is to lead on the impact that it's having on you, because sometimes you can get caught up in the right or wrong or who said or she said or did that happen, kind of the criminal burden of proof. If you go in and explain that this is the impact that this is having and this is why I need this situation to change. That can be a really effective way of kind of reaching a positive resolution. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good way of giving feedback generally, isn't it? Quite a few of, so obviously, you know, all the fellows that we're supporting, as you know, they tend to have really quite pressured roles. And every so often it comes up the question is how can you be present with your child and be there for your child when they're going through a tough time? And I've just wondered whether you had any reflections on that because it seems such a, and especially, I guess, the children you're supporting through your charity, they're going through the toughest times of all, or one of the toughest times of all, being bullied, which is such a horrendous experience. What do you need to do as a parent to be there for them and in that moment and be present? So first of all, if you are in that circumstance, do get in touch with Kidscape because we work with parents and families from all walks of life who are struggling with bullying. And when your child's going through bullying, it affects the whole family. There's no shadow of a doubt. It's probably one of the hardest things to go through as a parent, both if your child's being bullied, but also if you've been told your child's bullying others, that's also really, really hard. So again, do do seek support and you're not on your own. We always say that bullying is a behaviour choice. Children can move in and out of those roles. And so you might find your child on either side of the fence. So again, do seek support. But I think as a parent, you know, when your child's going through those hard times, you do really need to lean in and you do need to create that time with them. And they do need to feel like they're a priority and that you're really, really there for them. And I think as children get older, it's consistency as well. Even as they grow older, they do reject you a bit more. And that's really natural. But just knowing, you know, every bedtime, how is your day? How are you doing? Even if they just go, yeah, fine. That consistency and the fact that they always know at the end of the day, you're going to say, hey, how did today go? Matters. It really matters. Because it's often at bedtime, that's when things come out where children will say something to parents. So just consistency. And then I would say creating one-to-one time with your children as well. So if you've got more than one child, having time where they're on their own with you, not with the other sibling, just relax time, going for a walk, you know, going out for an ice cream, whatever that might be, just try and create that one-to-one time with each of your children so that they have some of that, that precious time on their own with you. Practically, how do you make it work? And I guess I'm, I'm coming from this knowing how what you're saying makes so much sense. And that is 
that. But even just hearing what you're saying, it makes me feel a bit guilty because like, I'm not doing everything that you've just listened there. Um, and I'm just thinking, have you seen any examples of people who are in high pressure roles, who are very senior, leaning in, in the way that they, you've described and how did they practically make it work? Again, I think it comes back to good support and good management support and organisational support. You know, if there's times where your children really need you and they need you to be at a meeting or a teacher needs to talk to you, it's being able to say, I I need to prioritise this right now. And these moments, these episodes that your children go through, they won't last forever either. But if you can really be there in the middle of it, that really matters because otherwise you might create more issues for yourself. (laughs) later down the line if you're not able to do that and so I think it is important to think about actually when do I when do I really need to step into to to this moment and what's going on for my child and I know that that's that can be really really hard um also think about I think it's unhealthy I think actually one of the things we really struggle with as a culture now is children are very reliant on parent or parents rather than a wider community of support And I think if you can look for that wider community support where you are, be that other family members, be that people's other kids' parents, be it friends, who your children can also talk to and share things with, that's really healthy, that you're not the only person, that there's other people that they can talk to, I think is really, really important. And that if you've got a partner, you're not shouldering it all yourself either, that they've got to step in and give that support. Mm, Definitely. I think there's something to be said from a practical perspective to make try to make friends if you can. So not everyone has taken long maternity leaves, but if someone is listening and is on maternity leave, it, it's really worth trying to find some local friends, be that via your NCT group or in another way, so that you know some of your kids' friend, uh, some some of your kids' friends' parents when they grow up. That's worked really well for me because then you can act, you know, you can ask them for practical help like school pickup, but also the more emotional support the child then has other people that they know. And we've interviewed recently Vicky Fox on on this podcast. She's the CEO of the Supreme Court. And she says, whatever she does, whenever her child calls, she'll always pick up the phone, even if it's in the meeting. And she obviously works in quite an old-fashioned, you know, think law and beautiful old buildings, that type of environment. But I think if we create the first, if we become the pioneers of being there for our children. So that sounds very cheesy, but if we are the ones who are picking up the phone when our children ring, and if we're setting that expectation, other people who don't even have children yet, be that mums or dads, will see that and will see that that's okay. And she might only say, well, actually, I'm in a meeting now. Is there anything, you know, can I call you back later? Or is there anything urgent? But then the child can say, yes, there is actually something urgent. And that, that I think, but we have to, in the workplace, we have to change that culture that we, we, we are okay to say, oh, we, I have a child. And actually, yes, that child might need something urgently from me rather than trying to hide um, that you have children. I think you're really right. You're really setting the tone. And I love what you said as well about having people that you can rely on to support you. And I don't think, you know, I think when you're a working parent, it can be difficult at the school gate because it can feel like other parents have got loads of friends and have those big networks. But I think even just having one or two people that you can say, do you mind, can you pick up for me today? And and that's what I've got, people that I can really trust. And that does make such a difference. But what I've also found is because I really champion flexible working and family support, we've attracted other parents at, at Kidscape 
And actually, we're a community of support just amongst ourselves as well. And so we're able to talk. And there's certainly been occasions where with colleagues at Kidscape, I've talked through challenges that I'm having with the kids or things that happen and getting their perspective. And again, you can kind of create another circle of support with your colleagues, which is amazing. And, you know, it doesn't just and then you get different perspectives as well, which I think is really, really healthy. So I think definitely having having those circles of support. Yeah. And I like what you said about actually it, it's going to be very intense for the parent as well. If this happens, isn't it? It's an extreme. It's very, very horrendous for the child. But actually, regard even if it, if the child is the bully, that is they're usually unhappy too. But if a child is being bullied, it's horrendous for the child, but it's very, very intense for the for the parent and actually that support network will help you look after yourself as well and just talking to you I'm very very impressed by the fact that you sound like you've gone through quite a few periods of really tough intensity um where stuff was busy at work but also stuff was really tough in life you mentioned about support network but is there anything else practically that you've learned or that you do differently now in terms of making sure that you come out okay at the other end of that intensive, tough period where you're needed by everyone. Yeah, I got quite into kind of self-care practices. I love Susie Redding. I don't know if people are familiar with Susie, but she's this amazing yoga and, and well-being guru, does this gorgeous podcast and a lot of the things that she talks about. So, you know, got quite into yoga really prioritize physical fitness as well during that period of time you know making sure I was going out walking going running going swimming once a week I know it's not easy to find time for these things but looking after yourself physically really matters really matters when it comes to managing really difficult periods of stress and also things like booking in to go for a massage I know these things can sound like real privilege end of time but really looking after yourself and I'm and also kind of writing down what are my self-care strategies what do I what things make me feel better what are really nurturing and really healing practices for me and trying to build those into every day so if you do have time to kind of have the calm app and do the 10 minutes meditation every day it's just 10 minutes but it can really make you feel different but quite into aromatherapy as well i'm going to found aromatherapy really really helpful so it's whatever that whatever that looks like for you but having those those self-care strategies built into every day is really really important i found really helpful yeah and regardless of what it is i think and I agree with you on the physical point. Um, it's it's so true. It, it doesn't really matter what it is, but it matters that you put yourself first. And it's like you're putting yourself first in the eye of the storm. I think also if you if you do have a partner or if you have other people helping, actually prioritizing that you go for a run and they do the childcare, even though your child you know is really upset and might need you. Um, I find that quite inspiring i was in uh, i mentioned before we came on air so my baby has bronchiolitis again and again so has a good hospital third time lucky this year already and i've learned so lot we've just come out of hospital again he's fine now um he had to be on oxygen obviously he wasn't happy he was very poorly but this time for the first time i put myself first so while my child was on oxygen in hospital i went home had a sleep and got my got my partner to look out so I'm usually with the baby because it's still breastfed um got my partner to look after the baby and got some friends to take care of the other children which meant obviously it was tough because my partner had to rearrange his work a bit awkward because I had to ask my friends for help which I didn't really like to do 
Um, but I just feel so much better. And I think it really taught me that actually in a crisis, it's worth considering putting yourself first because I know I was much better mother. And also I'm more coherent now in this conversation. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And it's just pausing and going, what do I need? What do I need in this moment to be the best version of myself I can be? And that's what we needed. And it doesn't serve anybody if we just keep going and keep going and keep going and burn ourselves out. And I do, yeah, it's amazing. It's giving yourself permission to get actually, no, these, I need these other things. This is going to work. Exactly. And I think it's a feminist thing as well. I know their dad's listening, but it's a feminist thing. Like, why should you not put yourself first sometimes? You know, you're not to quote an advert here, but you're worth it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And scheduling. I found scheduling really important. This is my week. At this time, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m., I go for a swim. Goodbye, everybody. I'm shutting the door. Whatever's going on, whatever mayhem, door shut. I'm out. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I usually ask people at this stage of the podcast for a few practical things, but I feel we shared so many already. So I'm just going to ask for you to summarize. If someone who has a child who is going through a really intensive bullying experience, either as a bully or being bullied, um, what are two or three practical things that they can do right now, today or this week to support them? Yeah, well, firstly, it's, it's, it's not okay. You know, don't feel like this is something that you just have to put up with and that this is inevitable. It's called of a legal duty to keep your child safe from bullying and harm. And they don't always meet that responsibility. We see all sorts of practice. So absolutely take action, but know that you're not on your own. So do contact Kidscape for support and, and for advice. What we would always say is keep a record, keep records of what's happening, of what action's being taken. And as I said, when you go into the school situation, stay calm, as hard as that can be, but just explain that this is the impact that this is having on my child and this is what we really need within this situation and this is what needs to change. It's the best way to approach it to approach it with schools, but don't give up and do seek support and you will come out the other side. Um, these things tend to be episodic, but you do come out the other side, but with the right support, you just keep going. Thank you. Thank you for that really practical advice and also all the work that you're doing at, um, at Kidscape Against Bullying. Um, I'm really glad that you exist. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, if people want to support your work or find out more about you or perhaps even donate, where would they go? Yeah, kidscape.org.uk. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening today. If this has been helpful to you in any way, can you please support us by sharing this episode with a friend who could benefit? I've really enjoyed seeing listener numbers triple over the last few months. And thank you to all of you who have shared the episodes. Please keep doing that because I'm really keen for, for it to help even more people. And there are a couple of great dream guests of mine, for example, Brené Brown, um, that would need even higher listener numbers for them to agree to come on this show. So thank you for sharing. I also want to do as much as I can to answer your questions or insights. So if you have a message for me, head over to speakpipe.com forward slash big careers small children. I would love to hear your questions, anything that you want me to ask or future guests, or maybe I even have a dream guest idea that I can approach or great book that you read and you'd love to hear the author on this show. Or maybe you have a question for me that you want me to answer, in which case I'm happy to do that, or questions for my upcoming guests. So speakpipe.com 
forward slash bakery of small children we're trying this for the first time in these few episodes yeah we'd love to hear if it's of any use and hopefully we'll get a few interesting questions from you also just as a heads up there are quite a few events that we're putting on in the next few weeks and months if you want to be kept in the loop i think in the next few weeks i don't quite know when this is going out but basically in the newsletter there will be updates about these events so go to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash newsletter every newsletter has ideas for you to try and new ways of thinking about things so i think you should really probably enjoy it i put a lot of thought into making sure they're valuable to you and of course don't forget to consider getting involved in our fellowship program which will run again in 2023 but it's worth finding out about it early so it's a nine-month fellowship you'll get a senior leader mentor who has experience of bringing up kids as progressing their career you'll get support to develop your vision and plan for career and family life in small group sessions you get access to research on what causes career progression and also how to implement this practically in the context of looking after your young children because we all know we don't have lots of time around for networking at least i don't so <laughs> how do you do all that whilst having young children and there's pl- practical stuff like workload management and, and sessions with your partner and your line manager if you happen to have one so if you're interested in that then just make sure you are on the list we have funded uh, places and part funded places for people who need them it's all on leadersplus.org uk forward slash fellowship you can register interest there so so that you are in the loop so that's it until next time have a wonderful week